Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 429, and today we'll be talking about Who Would Want This? from Bee and Puppycat. I'm GC13. And I'm David. What a cohesive episode of television. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, but this was actually more surreal than the first episode. Yes, the feeling that... There was a whole miniseries. <laughs> maybe the maybe the word surreal isn't quite the right word. It's like all the individual things happening make sense. And, you know, they're happening for fairly logical reasons. But just the, the visual language being used to tell the story borrows a lot from the more surreal uh, stuff. Especially the place where the music box is being fixed it's strange because it just presents you with them arranging the little figurines in the music box without explicitly saying it's just strange right they say they're fixing it there's nothing broken about it the pieces just fell off and it's some kind of puzzle where they need to place them in the way that the camera never really shows you you know it takes a while to actually see the music box in whole first instead we just immediately see them like placing things in there also for some reason we go on their other adventures and return later to the music box even though it was the was it the initial adventure did they actually return to it like the chronology is loose (laughs) and does it have any meaning you know it references a prince we know that puppy cat some kind of prince yeah i was gonna say that's that's totally the puppy cat story music box right it can't not be right <laughs> if if it's going to have any relevance at all it all seemed very deliberate so i'm gonna go with yes i i will say this the idea of being sent to work in a human cafe where a bunch of giant cats want to delight in feeding you and watching tv with you sounds awesome um that sounds like a great temp gig <laughs> except for how the the way the cats faces were so eager <laughs> to uh you know use b for entertainment it was um a little scary <laughs> like i think there was supposed to be some tension there about they like look so eager they were using the visual language i'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that again like this is how it would look if the cats were trying to cook her and eat her yes but no they they really just wanted to wash her outfit and any excuse Right, but it looks like they directly referenced every animal that's ever been drawn. <laughs> it's been anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized and is trying to eat you. So that's entertaining. Like <laughs> the same face that the wolf yep. would have had to eat the grandma, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, the, so this um, starts strangely, right? Like, again, cohesion is an interesting word to try to apply to being puppy cat. I think the actual episodes of the quote-unquote true season two of Lost in Space, you know, it it does become more maybe cohesive later. But (laughs) this one definitely, just because they go on four different temp job adventures, (laughs) it it clearly is an amalgamation of ideas and uh, storylines that they had from the past. So whatever, it does a lot of work. I, I like the thread they kind of weave between you know, sure, the story about Toast doesn't, you know, really seem to have any relevance, but there uh, is some connection point with 
Cardamom showing up. And, you know, obviously there's the connections between B's house and Cardamom's weird control thing in his basement. And, you know, it has a relationship to the temp job. So it all it all roughly weaves together. But what was your reaction to uh, <laughs> the wrestling backstory that started this episode? Okay, so she described it as a wrestling cult. That put me, like, immediately off base. And then, I I don't know, I I feel like I missed a part of the explanation. It was like they were tag team partners, but without Toast meaning for them to be tag team partners. (laughs) It's like, she just learned how to use Toast's own ineptitude against her opponents. Yeah, it's deliciously vague. Like, I watched it again. I don't know what time number of times this is I've seen it. I don't. It doesn't quite make sense. Like what? Like I don't even understand how competent. Like there's. Do they want to be competent? Toast doesn't seem to want to be. She's proud of the fact that she's second to last place. <laughs> right? Like what's their point? Well, I think she would be second to last place if uh, if. Can't remember her name. If Enid came back. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I literally forgot her name and I was quickly Googling it. <laughs> because I also just hear Enid's voice at this point. Um, that person's name is... We could just call her Ashley. Uh, Cass. That's so... Uh, it should be Cass, easy. okay. Yeah, so Cass... Cass's involvement in this thing is strange because she says she was a great wrestler and she didn't want to touch anyone. <laughs> okay <laughs> a little bit of the david spade in her i guess <laughs> no touching what a great no premise and you know is she like is she 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 seems very quick to i don't know like is she insecure about it it's very secure extremely secure about it like, why was she ever involved in this thing? She doesn't want to talk about a wrestling career anymore. She's like, I'm a programmer now. I eat soup for lunch. You know, it's hard to piece together. <laughs> I sleep in a bed. Yeah, like, what's the, uh, what What does she imagine her identity to be? It's It's fun to try to piece that together. And, you know, how does Toast fit in as this thing that it's not really pulling her back into her past. It's just this weird reminder. Of what she used to do. Why Why also is Toast her enemy? Like, at what point in the story did they become enemies? <laughs> like, just because Cass quit wrestling? That's what makes them enemies? Toast seems to want them to be friends. And it's like... It, it, it's a weird... It's, I, I would call it a frenemy, except it's more friend than enemy. It's like the opposite of a frenemy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a friendly rival. Um, yeah. Except with more bite to it. So it's strange. <laughs> and that happened. Oh, man. Cardamom. Cardamom is impressive. I like him. I like Sticky. Um, very <laughs> yep. mysterious. I like this. Yeah, I like that uh, Sticky's already betrothed. That's a solid start for Sticky. <laughs> uh, I like that the puppies that announced him were just <laughs> ignored by Cardamom and you know, hopefully they weren't Sticky's children or anything like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, Connor and Sticky are an amazing pair. I enjoyed that uh Cass and Deckard were well, actually may maybe just Deckard 
was concerned about, you know, that Don't bust Cardamon the kid as a kid. Yeah, like, he's like, uh, apparently they just had recently a different landlord, or at least the last time a landlord came by, it wasn't Cardamon, so that's, you know, obviously interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that they notice he's a kid. B seems to kind of know him well uh, already, which makes sense since they have some sort of connection between their houses that is at least electrical in nature. <laughs> he recognizes her remote control, so either that thing goes flying a lot or, I don't know, more than meets the eye. Yeah. I mean, for for B, though... B is such like a woman child anyway that the idea of getting bossed around by a kid probably not as weird to her. Yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, how did you feel the first time <laughs> B went to retrieve snacks from the toilet? Uh, I, mean, it was, <laughs> I don't think I can give a more sincere answer than that. It's like, yeah, that's that's the thing that happens in B and Puppy Cat when. <laughs> when Puppycat first started reacting by, like, destroying everything after that, it's like, I, I thought he was upset, and he's like, no, give me. <laughs> yeah, I love how it just moves from one thing to the next. Before you can even really digest that, B is extremely mildly thoughtfully considering that her toilet is flooding, yet she stores, you know, apparently yogurt in it. We just switch over to... Puppycat destroying the house because he's just excited to eat this yogurt. So excited that I think he forgot that he said he wanted to eat while watching Pretty Patrick, <laughs> which you know <laughs> makes more sense since the show is you know literally about eating with him. But whatever, uh, <laughs> dude's hungry. Yeah, so I, I guess that uh, that power switch is going to be elaborated on uh, further later. Sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I mean. Yeah, uh, yes, the importance uh, of their houses being connected, yeah, it, it's certainly I- important, and you know <laughs> that that's that's definitely part of the core of the show. So that that part's not disappearing. I definitely don't understand toast, though. So let that be known. <laughs> that situation continues to be perplexing. We'll figure we'll figure her out together. Yeah, <laughs> but she is a uh, she is a hoot and. Uh, I hope that they're patching the walls quickly each time. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be it. She just came back for her keys, David. That's all. <laughs> I, I love that excuse. And Cass just calls her out. What keys, you transient? <laughs> uh, but I, I want to say cardamom with that fishing pole and that just entire aisle of snacks. He's a boss. Yes. That's going to be his thing. He's a weirdly competent adult child, which is, uh, you know, obviously sad because we see him taking care of, you know, presumably his his mom, who is mysteriously asleep. A Sleeping Beauty style princess. Yeah, which, you know, B seems to be aware. Maybe that's why he wants to become a prince. Yeah, and, you know, he has all this talk with Sticky about that he's reading fairy tales. He's trying to get what he's want, he, what he wants through being good. Very curious. Uh, <laughs> what does it all mean? But I like that collecting rent is somehow part of his vision of uh, you know doing due diligence in the world and being a, a good person. And he gets some fat stacks of cash for that. I I wonder how long I, I, coding must pay really well. 
yeah, coding. <laughs> it's helpful. I guess that's truth in television. The uh, fact that Puppycat just is insistent on that they are illegally squatting and that that's the ideal state (laughs) (laughs) instead of trying to work for the rent is great. And the fact that he's like, after he destroys Visum, he's like, "Uh, wait, we're not just squatting here? (laughs) That's what was going on. Yeah, I was really disappointed in them for destroying that creepy eye. I I thought for sure that they would, like, use a mirror to chase it away by reflecting way too much light into it. Yeah, there was no clever resolution. Puppycat just becomes ultra buff. Buff Puppycat's like, nope, gonna take care of this. I don't know how I feel about... (laughs) I I don't think anything weird was implied by it. I think B was just kind of, like, overwhelmed and shocked, but it was weird seeing giant buff Puppycat, uh... I don't know, holding B while she was just kind of like flushed. I think she was mostly sad for the death of the creepy eye monster. Yeah. Well, and also Making everyone, everyone including really her, is embarrassed by yeah, being seen by the eye. Which I like that that's all it's doing. It's just looking at people and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not otherwise evil. Well, you know, you can't snuggle up with your special somebody. You can't take a bath. You can't even pick your nose in private. I mean, you saw B. All she was trying to do was murder somebody with a knife, and that thing cast a judgmental eye towards her for it. I say good riddance. <laughs> I, I, I was feeling weird when she pulled out that knife. I'm glad Puppy Cat can make it uh, simpler. Yep. Kinetic kill vehicle, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Sometimes Puppy Cat is just overpowered for the situation. And other times... I don't know, it's just kind of randomly applied when he'll actually usefully take care of a situation. Rule of cool, baby. Pretty much. So they're being pursued by... I wonder what a puppy cat thought those black hands chasing them across were. Um, B didn't seem to think it was appropriate. <laughs> yeah, at least she's noticing things. Maybe puppy cat has seen enough of something to know where this was going. I, th- I he definitely knows uh, the camera keeps on his face and he's just uselessly silent on the topic. Oh yeah, he's like, "Come on, let's get B out of here before uh, before she notices." Yeah, that's why I think they came back to the first job. Timeline adds up better if you just go chronologically. Yeah, I like too that because it's a montage sequence, the appearance of the black hands is kind of subtle. You know, I mean, it's not like hidden in the background but it's also it just kind of happens in passing which is kind of interesting it just adds this weird darkness you know appearing in the middle of this i wouldn't say lighthearted, but just pretty and surreal <laughs> romp through different lands that little farm animal planet i can't remember what it was called the jelly cube yeah the jelly cube that was that was a pretty nice place once they uh i, I like that they were they were pre-equipped with lots of bubblegum for that mission. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Magical pockets. Oh my gosh. I yeah, I love the I love the outfits that they get on each one of these planets. I love that they change, you know, color schemes each one they yep. go on. Costume designer is just so excited to be able to draw up some new art for them every time. Yeah. But somehow that reminded me just because they're taking temp jobs, like Poor Tempot. <laughs> Tempot, you know, gave them so much work. And how, how how are they rewarded with 
<laughs> with being asked to be watched for hours. We we talked about quite recently Luz failing to read the room when Amity was really into the way Hootie was uh, trying to break the ice between them. And uh, this is one where B completely failed to read Tempbot's reaction to them just showing up to say <laughs> hi to Tempbot. It's like, oh, B, you're supposed to, you know, lie and pretend you did just come to see Tempbot. But no, you just want to watch TV. Yeah. Thankfully, Tempbot had the cats for her. B is not good with pretenses. <laughs> She's a one-track mind. Well, she is a woman child. This is this is not the kind of social grace I would expect her to be good at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, young old lady. Young old lady. Yeah. One. One. There was one passing mention of B's dad again in the, this episode related to a music box that does more than play music. Ah, yes, yes. But, you know, <laughs> what do we get ultimately in this episode? A bunch of things that add up to probably nothing yet. But shucks, they're fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, it's almost making me want to go back and watch the watch the original YouTube series just so I can be like, oh, hey, you know, fun diversion. Yeah, you definitely should. Although maybe maybe let's watch episode three and then also then go back and watch. Yep, gotta finish the gotta finish the intro before before I watch the YouTube stuff. Yep, that's what I'm committed to. Yeah, gotta get these first three Netflix episodes out of the way. I'm committed now. Yeah, well, sweet. <laughs> I honestly, I should go back and watch the ten too because it released over quite a long period of time. So I think when I, you know, I started watching it when like it was first releasing on Channel Federator. Like I was just consuming all of the, you know, sort of piloty or short content so i think you know there was only one or two you know <laughs> shorts at all for being puppy cat and then it just came out over time and started appearing on vrv so there's a whole thing and i definitely don't remember some of the episodes but like some of them the the sequence where they're on the beach they miss an entire there's a whole short that's just about them hanging out on the beach and there's like a crab that's trying to pinch them and it's a whole <laughs> joke and he's just i don't know it's like a weird crab who's like almost creepily sexily interested in pinching you so like, <laughs> and they just skip entire uh strange bits like that you know the fact that they're even at the beach in this episode is really only used to uh reinforce that uh, B doesn't like water so hmm and yet she put on a bathing suit. Well, you know, I <laughs> don't want to get, you know, otherwise soaked in water, I guess. Fashion. Which I don't, I, I, I'm i going to have to piece it together again watching this episode. I feel like I'm, I should already know why her toilet is being used as a refrigerator. But there does seem to be some weird uh, relationship between water and toilets. I mean, presumably she doesn't need to use the bathroom. That could be another reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, if she if she doesn't like water, she picked a terrible place to store her food. Yeah. I it's... mean, I, I guess she doesn't need to eat either, so. Right. Still. You think the bathtub would have been a better place? <laughs> I mean, B probably doesn't even know what that thing does. <laughs> yeah, what's this for? Yeah. I mean, she used to have the, well, I guess she only had the cat cafe for a little while before she got fired. <laughs> we'll have to find other bathing techniques elsewhere. Right. I mean, she didn't seem fond of baths at the 
cat house. No, no. <laughs> like, you would have thought they were trying to force her into a stew pot. Right, which is hilarious because she would have taken being licked. <laughs> she seemed quite happy with that. Yes, she was, she, she was down for that. But all in all, weird episode, but I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a summary that will definitely only be applicable for episode two of Bee and Puppy Cat. Oh, yes. No, no <laughs> other episodes of Bee and Puppy Cat will I ever say, it was weird, but I loved it. <laughs> I might be proven a liar. In uh, coming weeks. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Who Would Want This? Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC Weathery. And I'm David. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>